Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3160. That's 3160. Um, Tonight we're going to have, uh, our guest is going to be here, but she's still at work. So she's going to reschedule for next Friday. So I tried to think to myself, well, what should we talk about tonight? Now, my being the night owl, I'm Carol Levine, and I am the night owl, vice president of NASCA. So I take all these weird calls in the middle of the night. So um, a lot of talk has been coming up about the word that people don't like to say, incest. So since I'm the night owl, I get a lot of people who have actually been talking about incest. And I have to say that, unfortunately, um, a lot of us on NASCA, we know too much about incest, okay? And that's myself included. Yeah. So anyway, I decided I'd put together um, a topic for tonight on incest, since so many people are talking about it. Um, I, I think maybe because, you know, people are more apt to stay, you know, home. Now, in the urban areas, you might uh, disagree with that because you see people out on the street and they're all getting uh, killed one way or another or whatever. All these things are happening. But that's what makes people want to stay home, okay? And then people are home. And then if you're living with people who are unstable, okay, I think this is why the incest rate has gone up. And it is going up amongst children. But before um, I get to that, and and I want to talk about the laws and everything about incest, and there are laws. It's a federal crime in most states. It should be in all states. But in most states, okay, and you can look that up yourself. I'll tell you how to see if your state is one of them. But um, tonight we have Lori Purcell, and I'm so happy she called in. She's my sidekick. Yes, she is. She is my co-host. And I do believe we have Philip under there. That's 661. I believe that's Philip. Philip, is that you? Yes. Oh, Phil? Yeah, good. I'm so glad. I just knew you'd say yes. Okay. So anyway, um, let me read the mission statement. I want to talk a little bit about that. And uh, then we'll get right to the topic because uh, there's a lot of things people don't understand what can happen when you are a child who's in a situation like that. How does it affect you in adulthood, okay? Um, how does it affect you, uh, in, you know, with your intimacy? 
um, things like that. And then also, too, um, in the in the childhood, what do you go through? What type of uh, behavior and so forth? You're around crazy people. Remember, you are not to blame, ever. It is the people around you. All right. We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways. Number one is educating the public. That's what we're doing tonight, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Number two is offering hope for healing to numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay. Now, I want people to know also, too, our website. That's NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, NASCA dot org. We have a, a, a lot, a wealth of information on there. Um, you open up all the little red boxes, or each one has a different topic, and uh, you can learn something. You can learn a lot of things from these uh, articles that are there, okay? The telephone number here, by the way, if you want to call in and be a part of this discussion, is 646-595-2118. That's 646-595-2118. So, Lori, thank you so much for being on. I figured you were out chopping down trees and maybe you wouldn't <laughs> in this heat. Oh, my God. I'm surprised you made it. Oh, my word. So thank yes. you for coming on. Hey, very welcome. I always told you I'd be on. And, yes, I was chopping down trees. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, wow. Are you like a, a lumberjack or something? <laughs> oh, they're, my calling me, they're calling me Tarzan, Maury Tarzan over here. That's a nickname I got. <laughs> well, I think you're amazing. My girl is from uh, Purcell. Purcell is uh, rather from New York. I'm looking at something here. Hold on a second. She's from New York. And uh, she moved into uh, PA. And, Philip, um, he, I'm so glad you're on the show because um, we need more guys to listen to, you know. And so I'm glad you're here. So, anyway, getting to the topic. And I know Bill might pop in. We had spoken earlier. But, anyway, psychology today. Now, that's some place that I – had learned from years ago and also turned to today because it has very good information. But that's not the only place that I go to for my information. Um, there's a lot of other places. And, um, you know, uh, I have, uh, let's see, the Canadian Mental Health Association, D.C. Division. Okay, that's a dash D.C. Division. That's something to look at, too, because they always have a lot of good things. And um, then I go to the hospitals like Mayo Clinic, and uh, they always have a lot of information. So when we have all these um, these places to go and you have questions and no one's available to speak to, you can go right to the Mayo Clinic and look up, okay, flashbacks. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. And they'll tell you all kinds of things, which is what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, Okay. And um, other places like that, because there are things online also that you can go to today uh, where you can get help. And um, I found a 
a page, actually, that has many states where you can go to for all kinds of help for uh, things that you're having problems with. You can make phone calls. And I think they talk to you right online, and that's good. Okay. I see Bill is here. Hold on. Let me get his mic open. Hey, Carol. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing just fine and dandy. Yes, I am. Yeah, I explained it. I guess. The, yeah. Huh? I'm going to I'm going to update the the show description and uh, and, and and put what you you said we would be talking about in there instead. I'm sorry, I didn't get to it before the show started. That's okay. It, it doesn't matter. People are listening so much through the computer. You know, I find that out right. all the time. And um, but it's good to have it both places. Sure. Um, I when I speak to people in the AM bill, we have long conversations. Sometimes almost up to two hours. And yeah. <laughs> I'm used to that, but they they tell me they listen through the computer, you know, through it. So oh, yeah. it's great if we have a panel, and and I la- I love having Lori on and Philip. It's always good that a guy is on, and now Bill is on, and um, you know, I mean, this is all good because this isn't just a girl thing. This is a guy thing, and when you were children, we have little girls and we have little boys. So the topic tonight okay, is going to be from psychology today and the other two that I just mentioned. and uh, But a lot does come from psychology today. And um, it, it talks about incest. And right. incest and, and, and sexual abuse may cause mental health disorders in the future. And Absolutely. that's another thing I want to get into. Yeah. And, and survivors of incest have been shown to be susceptible to disorders such as psychosis, now, psychosis is not just a mental illness. It covers a lot of different things. And uh, it's your emotions, and it affects you in all different ways. And you can actually go into another world. And I don't mean like dissociate like we speak about. This is something even more so um, uh, unfortunate, I'll put it that way. It's a type of mental illness that uh, is very hard to deal with. But anyway, it uh, it does cause all kinds of you know personality disorders. Yes, that's the dissociation, and the alcohol and the substance abuse. So these are things that happen can happen in the in the teens or with the substance abuse. You don't have to wait to be adult for that. And uh, I started drinking when I was oh my god heavily by the time I was sixteen. Bill, how old were you when you were drinking heavily? Uh, I, I, you know, went to the secular uh, boys' school. Uh, and we didn't have like big weekend drinks and big, you know, celebrations. It was, I mean, it was a minor seminary, so it was very limited in how I could drink in high school. I did drink a few times, but it was when I got to college, man. They had, <laughs> they had uh, keggers and you know, and bars all around the place. There was a lot of beer drinking. It were regular bars, and I, it was so it was really. When I got to college um, in the University of Toronto, Toronto uh, loves beer, for one thing. <laughs> and um, so I, I learned a lot of it, too, plus other things. But, yeah, it was uh, first year of college. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started drinking in school um, because I had a Hispanic disorder. Remember, when you're, when you're abused sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally, neglect, whatever, and it's time after time after time, then it becomes a disorder, whatever it is you come down with. So I had panic disorder. And I needed something to squelch that um, that panic that I felt. And uh, I wasn't popping pills yet. 
I was I was drinking, and I had older friends. I made sure that I did, so that they could yeah. supply me with my booze. That's how I did that. So you see, right. it, it affects what I'm trying to get at right here. Is it affects kids to be abused, and they put incest under you know child abuse. It's the same thing. It's child abuse. You're abusing that child. Um, kids don't know how to handle this. Okay, they don't know how what to do with it. They have all these emotions, all these feelings of hatred, panic, um, all different kinds of things, and they just want to run away, and many of us do, okay? So my way of running away before I actually started running away was to drink. So yeah. that's one of the major things, you know, that kids do yeah, is they too. do drink. I, yeah, yeah, that's what I do too, yeah. And, and then there's other ways of self-harm, because that's self-harm if you think about it, right? Um, cutting. Kids will start cutting, those who are yep. being sexually abused at home, okay? And um, then they also, too, go through terrible feelings uh, with all the things I've read here, all the terrible feelings, and I know it, too, of, of guilt. Like, okay, maybe they're not the ones that started it. This is sexual abuse at home, the incest. But they feel guilty, they feel dirty, they have low self-esteem, um, they suffer like from panic, they suffer from all different kinds of things, and many times because of, you know, what we're going through, all these emotional feelings that we're having, um, then, yes, we can do self-harm. Um, I tried to kill myself at 17, um, but my sexual abuse started when I was six. So you see, all those many years of repetitive, that's why I speak about repetitive um, behavior, that other people you now put upon children. It absolutely does terrible, terrible damage to a child's mind, to their psyche. Okay. Uh, if a child is resists their parents, say it's their parents who are abusing them. It can be anybody in the family. We're talking about family here now. But let's just say it's their parents. And the kids get to a certain point where they start pushing their parents away because you know, a part of them knows it's not right. They're getting a little bit older, okay? So they're around 7, 8, 9, 10. They're starting to really think, oh, I don't want this. I know it's not right, okay? And they're pushing their parents away. The parents actually have the nerve to feel rejected. And then what yeah. they do in turn is, yeah, what they do in turn is they put guilt trips on the kids and tell them that they liked it that they enjoyed it, and they know that they did. Now, I just want you to know something about incest. Incest can be generational, and it can last for as long as three generations. It can. Incest is something that's considered to be against the law, although, believe it or not, not all states have the same laws about incest. The ones who do agree that it's uh, a federal law, and, and it is a federal law, and it is against the law, um, they kind of stick together and they have the feelings about it and they, they will um, actually make sure that that person gets prosecuted. But there's also a statute of limitations with this as well. Now, that should be taken away. That should be taken away. Because when you're a kid and you're being abused at home by parents or by siblings, older siblings, um, or anybody in the family, 
you're not about to go telling people this stuff. So, therefore, there shouldn't be any statute of limitations on anyone, okay? There shouldn't be statutes of limitations on adults or children because a crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. And we're speaking about crimes against children here. Okay. Well, it's, it's, I should mention that there's uh, some progress being made around the country, and uh, I'm aware of the fact that Maryland just uh, just made no statute available. Mm-hmm. Uh, other mm-hmm. places have what they call windows, which means yes. windows of opportunity. Uh, so there's, yes. a, there's a one or two or three-year opportunity, even if the statute is a long one, is, has long expired. Um, I know that's going on for us in... Um, New York, for example, but the point is that we have um, worked really hard, and I say, we, by we, I say, there's a lot of us who are uh, involved mostly in our own state houses because it's individual states that make these decisions, um, right. but uh, Marcy Hamilton is the one I always point out is uh, extremely well known for the work that she does, uh, and uh, it's, you know, unquestionably, she's made a huge difference in the number of states and the, and the amount of uh, time that has been reduced drastically and sometimes eliminated, as was the case in Maryland. So, right. you know, these are um, these are really important um, things for us to do and topics to discuss. Absolutely. Uh, they don't just they don't just change. They need you know people on the ground and in the in the um, in the uh, you know the uh, Administra- not administration, in the council chambers to argue against them, you know, and that's it can be done by regular citizens. It should be. But also we can convince our, our representatives to do that, you know, to do it with us and for us. So. But anyway. Well, what people um, are doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I, right. Well, you took a breath. I thought you were done. <laughs> what okay. people are doing. In, in states, what they're doing, Bill, I mean, you're right, because I, I follow that, too. In fact, I was speaking about Marcy the other day. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of times they put petitions up. If you have a certain amount of names on a petition, it isn't something that can be ignored, okay? It's presented inside, okay, and people look at it. And, uh, you know, they look at it and decide whether it's a, something that uh, they want to address. And uh, in cases like this, I mean, it is a federal law to uh, have sex with your child. And the reason being, one of the reasons is because uh, if a child gets pregnant, chances are that child that's born, if they allow for the child to be born, right, Um, and I'm pro-life, but I'm just saying if they allow for the child to be born, um, chances are that child isn't going to be, you know, they're going to have, all kinds of uh, disabilities and all kinds of, you know, mental issues, whatever, because that's what happens. That's why they say even like with first cousins, that's too close to. Uh, second cousins, eh, you sort of like a iffy, 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 if, if, you know, cousins have um, relations. Or third cousins, well, then by that time, it's usually pretty much out of the bloodline. However, the point is it is considered a federal law, just like rape is. Okay, and kidnapping. It's a federal law, right? So, um, and it should be. So what happens is, though, when these children um, go through all this horrible stuff in their home, and no one, you can't go to a family member. If you go to family members and they turn you away, 
that has a terrible, that's more trauma on a child because they're trusting that person to help them and they feel more boxed in. Where am I going to get the help that I need? Okay? No one's going to help me. And that's where all that self-hatred comes from and self-harm starts to build up because no one's there for them to help them. It's a very sad situation. So what does it do, though, in adulthood? Um, Signs of problems in adulthood, problems of intimacy. Many times when people are um, sexually abused within the family, um, you know, they have trouble then with intimacy. And the reason being is your partner is supposed to be someone you're close to. Well, so is your family. So psychologically what happens is, well, my family, who I'm supposed to be close to, the ones that are supposed to guide me and love me and care for me and show me right from wrong, this is what they did to me. And uh, I pushed them away when I knew that it wasn't right. And, and then they became volatile. And, and they put me through all kinds of hell. And I just wanted to die. And the suicide rate amongst that is quite high, I might add, with children who have been in incestuous uh, situations. So what happens is if they make it through that, they, those years, then they have problems having um you know, partners, they have problems keeping relationships. They, they might even go as far as to screw up that relationship. Okay, that may sound weird, but that's exactly what happens. And they, too, can disassociate. They can, too, have uh, all kinds of confusion. Um, and they distance themselves from romantic partners. They'll go just so far to a certain point, And then when they, you start getting close in that, you know, situation, um, where it becomes a real relationship, they actually push people away. They push them away. And that's, of course, a psychiatric problem. Um, they become panicky. The responses to intimacy such as flight and fright. They actually, like, they'll go just so far, and then they'll push that person away. Even though they feel they love them, they can't quite go through with it because of what happened to them. Okay. It says here, you might ghost them completely. <laughs> That's the word they use. You might ghost them completely. People can ruin a relationship, sabotage a relationship, even if they really don't want to. So that's what happens. You can become cold, critical, find fault with your partner, even though you may not really feel it. Um, And there is someone here that you can't contact, and then I'll get into more of this. But, um, again, this online, his name is Sean. Okay, Grover. He's an author and a psychotherapist. That's Sean Grover. He is an LCSW, that's a licensed clinical social worker, has uh, one of the largest practices in the United States. And I'm going to give out his email address because I think that people who are listening who are in the same situation that I was in and many, many people on, on NASCA, but his uh, his information here is www. S-E-A-N, Grover, G-R-O-V-E-R, that's all one word, SeanGrover.com. Now, he's on Facebook and he's on Twitter. And I noticed at the side of that page, there was all kinds of, uh, all, all throughout the states, the many states in our, in our country, um, it had many areas where people could, you know, go to. 
for contact information and telephone numbers and, and email addresses and all that other stuff, and uh, where they could get online like type of service and, and so forth. So that's just something to keep in mind. A lot of times people don't want to speak about incest. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. Um, well, I can understand why they're ashamed. It's not supposed to happen in the family. It's not supposed to happen anywhere. But we we need to think of our family as nurturing, uh, a place that's calm, a place that's going to give us comfort, a place that's going to accept us, a place that's going to give us love and direction. This is what a home should be. And instead, they get these wackos that, uh, you know, want to have sex with them, and they don't have anyone to turn to to get the help that they deserve and need. Um, is incest a crime? Uh, across the United States, children from incest relationships tend to struggle with genetic defects. Okay, I don't know why that's in with that. Certain people who are not blood relatives, this is interesting, certain people who are not blood relatives, such as an adoptive parent, that too, see, that's a crime. Uh, even with step-parents, it's a crime to have uh, you know, sex with your children, your stepchildren. So the the it's yeah the laws are there, Bill, and and they're yeah. they're starting to look at it. They're starting to look at it uh, in a much different light today because again, there's so many children, babies who are born and they have all kinds of you know problems, and it's because of incest. Okay, so it's it's why they too they made sure that it's federal became federal, and uh, I'm glad to hear that more statute of limitations. I think a lot of them are mostly gone now, but there are some states, okay, that I don't know they're just not giving in. So, uh, but it's something that we have to uh, talk about and let people know that it's not their fault, okay. I want to talk to Lori. Lori, what do you think about all of this? Oh, well, I grew up with a pedophile. Um... And I was out alone um, until he came home from work. There was total silence because my mother would be up in her room talking to herself or sleeping, whatever she was doing up there. All I would ever hear would be the door slamming from my brother going in and out. But he never really, aside just from, you know, like coming in, beating me up, he would leave again, that type of stuff. There was no contact, no relationship with him. He was just somebody else to run from. And um, there was nobody uh, that was going to ever come to us. We had, from what they told us, they, the family couldn't stand my mother, which is definitely, uh, I couldn't stand her either. So, yeah, they moved her out to Long Island. And they wouldn't come visit us. We didn't really have a visit with our grandparents. Probably once, maybe twice a year. Didn't know my aunt, didn't know my uncle, none of that stuff. So I was in total terror the entire time because I believe that he was the one changing my diapers. Story was I was uh, potty trained very early, and that could only be the reason of him doing it because I know Gilda didn't do anything for me. So it is a there's no place to hide, nowhere to go. Um, and unfortunately, I had a grandmother in the picture with me, so I really couldn't get into any kind of drugs or any alcohol or anything that would take my mind away from it because I was taking care of her and the whole family. 
Um, Jack never talked to me while he was molesting me and raping me and all that other kind of crap. He just did his thing as if it were an everyday normal thing to do because in his mind he thought it was normal. Although a couple of times, you know, he, he knew that he was crossing the line and it bothered him. So I don't know why. But he didn't care if my mother was in the room. He didn't care if my brother was in the room. Nobody cared. He'd just come and do his thing. So what I grew up with was uh, a total terror every place because if it's not safe at home, it's not going to be safe outside. And um, when I first started school, they always told me, stay away from this family. It was actually in the same house my husband (laughs) moved into, but the kid actually raped me the first time I went out the door. So it definitely wasn't safe. in or out. I just had nowhere to go. So your body absorbed it, and that's what happened to me. You know, I got to the point where when I was about 17, I think, um, I had somebody drive me into the, to the Bronx. I wanted to talk to Jack's sister, and I asked her, what did he do to you? Why is he like that? And she started to cry. And I just felt so bad for her that I didn't want her to relive anything. It's like I didn't ask her any more details. I didn't say anything. You know, I thought I was going to go down the list. If he did it to you, then why didn't you come for us type thing? But I just felt bad for her. So what do you do? You either go to a therapist. um, You either can do drugs. You can drink. And you can, oh, God, you can smoke and Everything, shoot heroin from it, it just really messes you up. And I think it depends on the type of person you are when you're born, uh, which way you go. Yeah, we're all born unique. So my out is I didn't get an out. I did not get an out. Um, I had a point where four years I spent with an incest therapist when I was older. And she helped. Uh, I did a lot of writing, you know, a lot of talking and that kind of stuff. And then I was done. I said, I had enough. So I went about my life, which involved, you know, my son, and that took over everything, so I went on to the back burner. Never had a good relationship with my husband, but I knew we weren't meant to be together. I was just, like, kind of bartered to him by my father. He was very close, and I just... He started taking pictures of me naked and then he told me he was going to send them to my father. And I was like, doesn't that sound a little bit strange to you? You know, is, is that normal? And in his world, it was normal because his family was just as screwed up as mine was. So that kind of ended, but I was never close. Never, never, ever. And what it did to me, uh, body-wise, is, is unbelievable. You know, the terror, what it just did to me. I'm not going to live out my years, but I should live out always in pain but what has come up long distance from all that that I know is happening I won't go to a doctor I will not have anything other than my blood pressure taken or a blood test if they could get it out of me but I will not see any kind of doctor that involves touching me because that's like a re-traumatizing they're re-traumatizing me actually is what the whole thing is so Things are failing in me, but I won't seek help but because of all that flashing back and stuff. So I say incest is one of the worst things going, one of the worst things going. 
That's no, my take. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, when they told me I had to go to my father's funeral, it was the same aunt. She, uh, she was like a cop. She worked uh, as a minister in the police plaza. And I was very afraid of her because she has such a strong personality. So she told me I was going to the funeral. And I ended up there. And, of course, everybody's staring at me because I was, I guess, talked up to be the black sheep of the family or whatever. Messed up. I'm crazy and stuff. But I, my, I took my mind away. This coffin was there. Um, I saw this aura around it. And I totally tuned out the entire service. And when we went actually to bury him, I had on um, my regular clothes, and I had a leather jacket on with a fringe, and my brother was at the funeral, of course, and I got a letter from him, how could I dress like that, and I should be doing this, and that's when the, I wrote him such a letter that the, he never talked to me again after that, you know, the whole thing, and then the family stories got worse, and I found that out, of course, years later. But uh, it's just something you kind of never really recover from. I, I, I never did, you know, totally. You just don't. You go to bed still. I'm 65. And the I could work out playing Tarzan Laurie, you know, in my trees and exhaust my body. But the anxiety of his footsteps coming into my bedroom every single night, I'm never going to get away from him. So, I, I understand that. You know, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I'm going to go to Philip now, then I want to go back to what you were just saying, you're the fear factor. Um, Philip, do you do you understand any of this? You, can you identify with this? And I don't know your story yet. I know someday you're going to tell us. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know you will. But do you, what do you think of all this? Well, I kind of have an experience with incest because my sister touched me inappropriately when I was growing up. Mhm. Well, you know, it happens to a, a lot of us, okay? Sometimes it's touching you. Hey, you know, I I want to tell people out there too. Molestation, by the way. I don't know if you mean further than molestation or not. It's inappropriate, okay? But molestation is how my sexual abuse started. And then it goes it goes on into the other, okay? I consider being molested to be just as bad as having actual penetration, okay, actually being raped. I consider it that way. Because you know what? Um, when you're a child, when you're a little, like I was a little girl, and uh, my first perpetrator um, certainly couldn't do what he wanted to do with me, so he would get on top of me and do it that way, okay? I mean, you know, on top. And I'm sorry, that's rape, okay? I don't consider that molestation. And that started at the age of six. And and, and that went on for a year and a half until I didn't care whether I lived or died. I just didn't care anymore. Now, Lori, getting back to you, getting back to you with that fear factor, um, I still want a light on in the hallway. In fact, it went out last night, and I was freaking because the house was pitch black. <laughs> okay. But anyway, the point is it, it went out in the hallway. And um, I have knives 
at the foot of my bed and at the top of my bed. I have nunchucks under, which I know how to use, nunchucks under my bed. Yeah. That's the fear factor. Hmm. I sleep with the door open. Yeah. I'm wondering, right? You connected. You know, I didn't know you were a nice person. And today I just happened to have to pull out my stash for the painters here. And I realized that, yeah, I had knives all around me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe that's why I I got into it. Well, look, you, you say we never really get over it, okay? I think we get over a huge, not over, that's the wrong word. We're able to move on, okay, to a certain degree. But then there's always that little something there, okay? And that's why, because so much of my abuse did take place, okay, in the bedroom, okay, when I was a kid. Um, so my mind tells me that, you know, you have to protect yourself. You have to protect yourself. I may not say it audibly to myself, but it's there. Otherwise, I wouldn't have knives at the bottom of my bed. I mean, switchblades, honey, okay? And I wouldn't have them, you know, uh, up by my, so like easy reach, you know what I'm saying? Easy reach in case something happens in the middle of the night, someone enters my bedroom door. I do not close it because when I was a child, um, the, the, yeah, he was my uncle through marriage. That's what he was. Um, if I saw my doorknob turning, I knew that he was coming in. All right, and and I, I knew I was in for it. And I was there for a year and a half, and um, he abused me well over a hundred times, well over a hundred times. So you figure there's 365 days in a year, and there's another half a year. So uh, well over 100 times. And how do I know this? I was drawing this picture, Lori. They allowed me to have crayons. Yay, I could have crayons. And I was making this mural. Now, I can't draw, honey. (laughs) I make sick people, all right? (laughs) It's okay. But I was having a good time drawing my pictures. And every time he touched me down at the bottom of the of uh, the paper as I was going along, I would put a brown long brown line, not long, but I mean like a, an inch, and then another inch, and then all, all, all the way around, all the way around, all the way down. And they probably thought I was trying to make <clears throat> like a fence or something, or like a border on my picture. And when the day came that I left there, I was able to get the hell out of there. I remember folding that picture up. And into you know many many squares because I only had a little tiny um, suitcase to put it in. I didn't have any clothes hardly, and I put that in there. And years later, years later, up in the attic of another place where I live, I went for that little suitcase, and um, I opened it up, and there was the picture, and I counted every single one, which were quite visible. Every single one of those crayon marks all the way down to when I stopped. All right, and I was doing that, on, you know, for to show myself this has happened on this day. Doom, 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 all the way down. So you see the horror that happens to a child. 
It makes us do things that other people wouldn't do. So I have my knives. I have my nunchucks, okay? I have them. My uh, second husband was very much into, you know, uh, the martial arts. Um, I don't know why, but he stopped right before he became a black belt. I don't get it, but he did. But he certainly knew how to fight, and he had nunchucks. So when he passed away, I put those nunchucks under my bed. So I'd have them. Easy access. So you see, it leaves its mark on us. It leaves its mark on us. One way or another. And, you know, it's it's just, um, it damages us. So sure, uh, I can function. Um, I went to school. I, I bettered myself. I got rid of the flask in my back pocket <laughs> and uh, continued to go to school. Um, you know, I, I'm a good mother. I adore my children. I have great-grandchildren today, four of them. I was online. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And um, I adore my great-grandchildren. I would never dream of hurting any one of them. And yet, this is what we, the survivors, many of us have gone through. It's only a small percentage, and they can't quite agree on the actual percentage, so I will not, you know, repeat that. But um, some say 30%, some say 35%. Actually, child help says 35% of, of us become, you know, abusive one way or another. Okay. And um, so that's a large amount of us that don't. So that that's that's the good news there. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, what we go through as children very much doesn't, you know, go 100% away. No, it doesn't. Um, 30% cases of incest are reported by survivors. That's it. 30%. And it's not surprising because we feel shame. We feel shame. Because it happened in our families. And it says here, survivors experience um, sexual intercourse much younger. So we tend to go out on the street and we, we become sexual creatures, all right? We do this um, because we've already been introduced to it, but we're looking for something. We're looking for love. We're looking for whatever when we go out there, mostly acceptance. Um, we have many times more sex partners than other people do, not all the time but many times. We're more likely to have um, sex for money, says here. Well, that would be prostituting ourselves out. Um, so, you know, it, it affects us. And it says when family members don't side with a victim, when we do try to tell on the, on the people that are abusing us, whether it be mother, father, um, sister, brother, whatever, uncle, whatever, um, uh, the sibling abuse is the most common abuse. It's least reported in the family, and up to 80% of youth experience some form of sibling abuse. Now, that doesn't have to be sexual. That can be physical, too. That's what we speak about, 
no, sexual, physical, mental, emotional, or neglect. Um, when a brother abuses a sister, which was in my case in the house too, um, um, it's it's almost always sexual. It's not going to be, yeah, he can physically abuse me. That's what he did too. Like he'd hit me and punch me and all this other stuff. But it was mostly the sexual. And um, that just destroys a child. And psychology today is full of all kinds of things. You know, I don't, I, I don't have two, three hours of talk here. So then yet there's two or three hours of reading. I was on, you know, looking at it all day today, off and on. So our well-being is destroyed. Okay, it absolutely is. Abuse is trauma, which is shocking, intense, distressing. The effects of trauma include a complicated mix of factors, such as the amount of any kind of trauma you are actually experiencing, the severity of it. Um, Again, if it's more than one or two or three, five times, it shouldn't be at all. But that's when it becomes repetitive, and that's when people develop post-traumatic stress disorder. That's where you put that D on. The disorder comes from being more than once. Although I have to wonder, um, if you see something really, really heavy-duty, whatever it might be, forgetting the sexual part, say you experience something and you're a child, I'm sure that even just one time can cause terrible post-traumatic stress disorder. That's my feeling on that because it depends on what it is. Um, Also, too, how close you were to the person who abused you when you're at home. If it's a parent, I mean, we look at them like they're God almost, you know, when we're growing up, you know. Um, We want them to be like God. They're, They're supposed to take care of us and protect us, right? And look what they're doing. And then, too, if it is someone that's so close to you, that also is a determining factor as to how long it's going to take for you to heal to a therapist. So if it's like your mother or your father or both for God's sake, um, then you're going to have a hard, much harder time to heal. You just simply are. And And then also, too, when you did try, if you did try, and I, I told my mother about my brother, and she didn't care. So that just pushes you back even more because it takes guts. It takes guts for a kid to say to someone, my brother is doing this and my brother is doing that. Now, that started at the age of nine with me, Lori and Philip, at the age of nine with my brother. And by the time I was 14, he completely raped me. Before, that's why I'm saying all those years in between, touchy feeling is bad, bad enough, okay, bad enough. Uh, but then it leads into many times, it leads in, into rape. So by the time I was 14, yeah, he raped me. And you know what? I didn't even think about telling my mother. Well, four. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She made it very clear that things like this happen in families, and that was that. So when you have that compounding everything else, where you're having all these things happening in your family with a family member or several family members, 
and you have nowhere to turn, no one to talk to, no one you can trust. That's another thing that is stripped away from us, the trust issue. This is why when we are, you know, sexually abused and also, too, incestuously sexually abused, we have trouble with relationships and we can, you know, sabotage that relationship. And that's why when you get so close to almost doing something you want to do, say you're in a relationship and you want to become even a, you know, a much uh, healthier, stronger, loving type of relationship, sometimes people push away. And they have to wait a little bit longer before, you know, they allow for themselves, you know, to be touched by that person, even if they adore them. And that can ruin a relationship, believe me. Now, the incest laws by state are 2023. So like we were talking about before, um, and unfortunately it's state. Now, the act itself is federal. It's a federal law that you can't, you know, do this to your child, to your stepchild, to your adoptive child. Um, you know, that's, that's a no-no. Now, I happen to know a man who passed away not too long ago, so I feel pretty free in saying this, but I won't mention any names. Um, he was going out with this lady who, I think she had one child at the time. He married her. She had children and by him. And by the time the kids um, were, you know, almost teenagers, he was sexually abusing them. Okay. Now, the one kid actually fell for him, the oldest one. The oldest one fell for him. And she had a child by him. Well, for a long time, no one said anything in the family. Okay. Nothing was reported. Okay. Nothing happened. I believe she had two children by him. And uh, finally, the youngest daughter, from what I understand, um, went to the authorities, went to the police, and told them exactly what was going on. And he did go to jail for some years. Yes, he did. Because, you see, they looked back. So the statute of limitations had nothing to do with this. It was the act itself, and that's the way it should have been treated. You know, everything should be treated that way when you do that to a child. Okay? So... I, I, I don't know how the mother can look at herself in the mirror because she knew what was going on and she didn't stop it. It doesn't make sense to me. So this guy did go away for, you know, over over five years. Yes, he did. I mean, that's that's a big step, okay? That's a big step. And then another thing, too, that I, I did read um, if you, if a child is 16 years old and they're having relations with a you know a person in the family, then they look at it a little bit differently than they should, I think, because a 16-year-old is not an adult. Sorry, but um, it would be lesser of a law that would pertain to that 16-year-old and and the uh, adult. I think that should be treated as if the kid was five. I'm sorry, that's just the way I feel about it. But there are some states that are like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of work that has to be done yet, you know, with the laws. So people are out there working. They're working, trying to get things changed, trying to get things right. 
And um, it's a long process. And I think that as long as we have this state-by-state-by-state type of law where where people can have their own laws, for God's sake, um, that that is a hindrance. It it keeps it, um, you know, it takes a longer time. And I I don't think that's right. So what do you have to say about that, Lori? Oh, God. Some people can actually go to a court and sit on you know, to stand and and talk about it. And then there are some that just are made up differently and they can't do it, Uh, no matter Mm -hmm. how much, you know, encouragement they have, no matter how much they could benefit from it. They're not made up to do that. Um, Right. Some people feel, you know, like invisible. You end up feeling invisible because nobody helped in the first place. You know, so why even say anything? You know, like you honestly don't feel you're part of the room. You're never in the crowd. You're the only one standing there, and uh, you have nothing in common with anybody else. You know, that's a a lot of stuff. But to all these people that are going to court and, uh, you know, testifying and going through it, they're, they're really helping other people by doing that. They're encouraging other people to come forward. They're getting help for themselves. I, I had a one like one of your stories. It was a little girl uh, that was a friend of the family. I knew the father was molesting her. I just knew mm-hmm. it. And it turns out I saw her when Ed's sister died. Twenty years later, and yes, that that was exactly what happened. And it turned out also her father went to jail. I don't know how she got the courage up to do it, but she did it. And he went away for a very, very long time. But she was so terrified that he was getting released that, you know, we were sitting there talking, and, uh, I mean, she's shaking. This poor girl is so traumatized. It's like she's reliving it, and she's, like, almost regretting, you know, the steps she took. And I, I kept telling yeah. her, I said, no, you did you did the best thing for you. You did the best thing for everyone. You know, this stuff has to come out. We have to, you know, get the laws, as you're saying. And I want blanket laws, this whole nation. Everybody needs to be up to date on the same subject. You know, cut through this red tape of having to change things and update them. Just put them out there, and this is what we go by. That's the way I feel. Right. And for a lot of crimes, I think that it, that it should be. You know, but some people so much benefited. I don't know that I could have at that time sat on the stand and testified against my father, quite honestly, because there was a time where I didn't have the security in myself. I wasn't had no confidence, I had no self-esteem, I had nobody in my corner. I don't think when it was before the statute of limitations ran out on me that I would ever be able to do it. Now, of course, I would definitely do it. <laughs> I have no problem doing it. But it depends on, you know, what kind of state of mind you're in. If you have, you know, how bad is it going to affect you and can you see that it is going to help you if you stand up and say something? That's the first thing people have to know. It's not a secret because you have nothing to do with it and you didn't agree to the relationship in the first place, so you owe the person nothing. So the next thing to do is find someone you trust and you start talking. And the more people talk, it just goes around like a virus. It's sad, but it turns out like a virus because 
the subject is so bad. But that's what people need, you know. They need to be able to find people like themselves who've gone through similar experiences so they feel safe enough to finally let it out. And they think before they say something, they're the only one in the world that this had happened to. Unless, you know, their other family member was being abused too. They don't know that there's a whole bunch of people out there like them. They don't know it. So the more they come out um, and the more like shows like NASCAR and stuff, I can see changes in people. I see, and I'll say it, I'm just, I, Philip, I've been following you since you came on. You've come a long way. We're all wanting to help and hear your story. Um, I hope now you feel that you are in a safe environment, you know, that you can start to unload uh, any which way you want. You know, you, I'm sure you've done the website uh, a million times over and read it through. So it's like find your hookup and, you know, I want to bring you along, you know. You're here, you show up, and the more and more you say, I know uh, that you want to say more, you know. So I'm telling myself, should I say anything to you? And it just turned out, yes, I do, and I do that because I care. I, I want you to come along. So please do. Please do tell us more about your story. Carol also wants to know. We all want to know, and we all want to help you. That's what we are about, because we're all family, and we all feel safe here. So when you're ready, just know that we're here to listen to you. You know? I think you're doing marvelous. I don't know the word marvelously, if that is even a word, from when you first came on. So the potential is there. You know, I know it's there. I can see. I can feel it. And I know Carol does, too. So this is what we want to do. Keep the talk going. And it will spread like wildfire. And more people will band together. You know, they'll they'll do their bodies good. I mean, I ended up with an ulcer at 18. That's not normal. So keeping it in, it's just not healthy. I mean, it was a disaster. And I don't want that to happen anymore to any more people. I want people of this generation to know that there are places that to go to. It's not a taboo subject in the whole world. It's just, you know, among the people who don't want to hear about it. But the people who are affected, they want to talk. You know, and that's yeah. what people should do. You know, let's keep the chatter and just dive in and you'll see that even though you're not even aware uh, sometimes with the change that you're making, it, it's happening. Because I've watched and I've listened to you. I can tell the difference from when you just first came in and pressed the number one and didn't say anything up until now where you're actually talking. So this is progress, and that's what I want to see, and that's what I want this world to see. Look for these children. There are signs. You know, you could see them in the school. Any. And teachers, you know, they're afraid of, of retaliation and whatnot, which is why they don't report a whole lot of things. Because in the schools, you could definitely tell what group of kids is hanging out and what they're talking about. So there's a, a lot of things that also need to be added on in the world, having younger kids accessible before they even, you know, have to leave the house and then they get help. I want it in where they're younger and if there's a problem, there's a number, they should be feeling safe that they can call for help. 
that's that should be the message we give today's children. You can find help. You don't have to keep it in. That's what I want to see happen. Mm, bravo. I like that. I like that. Um, and it's so true. What, what you said, Lori, is so, so true. I mean, we've made progress because I'm on here almost 13 years now. Okay, we have. And so I can look back. I can look back and I can see, you know, um, how we were then with people coming on. And, and it was very, very difficult, you know, for people to speak. And uh, and the book sales, there weren't many people who wrote books. Um, there weren't many people who were artists. There weren't many people who, you know, made songs like we have. Um, everything is changing, and, and it's for the better. Because uh, people are loosening up a little bit, you know, a little bit. So the taboo is not quite the same as it was before. So there is hope. And I, I do believe, I do believe honestly, you know, that shows like ours, we have a platform for people on Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday nights. I was telling someone this the other day in the store. Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights, they might be listening tonight, I don't know. Um you know, we we bring on guests and so forth. Okay, tonight there wasn't a guest, so we can we're, we can also easily have our own topics on this show. Okay, and um, because we've lived the life, we've walked the the life, and we're still standing, so we're able to talk. So <laughs> there's no reason why we can't have a show. All right. So, um, but anyway, it, it's really really a good thing, a, a very very good thing that people that people are starting to, you know, think about it and accept it a little bit better. And now we need for them to do something about it, Lori, okay? We need people, uh, you know, when we say, if you see something, say something. There's a reason for that. Because you're saving, you, you might very well be saving a child's life, and, you know, that's a wonderful thing to be able to, to think to yourself, wow, I made a phone call, I called the cops. The cops are somewhat limited because they work with social services. They want to have a counselor with them now. And um, But still in all, you made that phone call. You did what you're supposed to do. And, you know, and then that with that counselor being there, then the child, you know, the family should be looked into. And... Um, you can find out why that child is maybe misbehaving. Maybe they're a bully, or maybe they have bruise marks all over them. Um, whatever the case might be, maybe they're too skinny. Um, Lori, I was so skinny in that in the house of horrors, the pedophile house. My hair was yeah. falling out. Yeah, get my hair was falling out. What it does? Yep. It, it was disgusting. I wasn't being fed properly. All right. And then I started pulling my hair out. <laughs> That's the last thing I needed to do, you know. And and so um, I was horribly bullied in school. So I started teaching, you know, getting a hold of people and, and, and punching them in the nose and all this other stuff. I didn't care anymore. I, I really didn't care anymore. So we don't want children to end up with that type of psyche where they have no joy. They used to say I had dead eyes, dead eyes. Someone asked me the other day about what dead eyes means. That's when there's no shine, there's no glimmer, there's no joy. You're you're just there. Your eyes are just in your head. You have no emotion. I lost my emotion except for when I was fighting. 
okay, um, because at times I would get mad. That was the only emotion that I had was, was anger. Um, I was angry at my mother um, because she put me there, and she didn't see that my hair was falling out. She didn't see how skinny I was, and I, I didn't know where she lived. I had no phone number. I had nothing, okay? And um, so she wouldn't be the one that I would talk about with my uncle, okay, doing the things that he was doing because she didn't care. She showed that later on, didn't she, with my brother. It was the same thing. She didn't care. So I, I called that one, right? So you see, when you grow up in an environment like that, and they have here for the in- incest, you know, for the incest, that when people, okay, when people, um, it says in many cases the survivor becomes more angry with the parent who was supposed to believe them and protect them. And so what happens is when that parent doesn't come forward and protects you, they then are called the silent partner. They're called the silent partner. In other words, they knew something happened, and they know something's going on, but they don't do anything. That's the silent partner. They're just as equally as guilty. If they know for a fact that something's going on, they don't do anything and they're of sound body and mind, then they are the silent partner. So, you know, that's um, something, too, to keep in mind. All these wonderful things I'm talking about tonight is in psychology today, and um, anyone can just type into your browser, psychology today. I used to do it all the time, and now I'm doing it again. And, um, by the way, it is possible for incest to be transmitted from one generation to the next, and that's in Sage Journal, S-A-G-E, Journals. There's an S on the end of that. Sage Journals. And it can go on for three generations. I had mentioned that early. But, um, yeah, it can go on for that long. That's, that's awful. And it does say here, too, Bill, I know you're listening, but he's working. He's behind the scenes now, I think. No, he's not. Okay. It says here, incest laws in California, penal code, 285, that's PC, penal code, uh, simply puts, under this law, marriage or sexual relations between close relations are a felony. Now, they're very strong about it, and I'm glad to hear that, because they may agree that it's a felony, but they're really mad about it, evidently, in California, where there's other states throughout, and and there's a way that you can find which state, okay, who is more apt to really look at it in, in, a, in a sense like California, they won't stand for it. They look at it as a disgusting, horrible, horrific thing and something that should uh, people should be prosecuted for. And that's exactly what should happen because of what it does to the child. And we don't need this. We have enough problems with those that aren't in the family, okay, who can uh, certainly use us as prey, as we call it, and that's P-R-E-Y, P-R-E-Y. So you can look it right up on, on the psychology today, and I'll even give you the states that um, where you're not apt to get uh, much time, maybe maybe you'll only get six months or something if you uh, touch a family member. Or uh, then other states you'll get more. And, again, they look at it, and it's very, very important that people realize this, too, 
what's giving it more time or people are getting more time, they're realizing that children are born, you know, um, where they have to maybe go in institutions for the rest of their lives because, you know, they they are so damaged if the bloodline is too close. That's what happens. And that's not fair. It's not safe. It's not nice. And it should be prosecuted, you know, in every which way that they can. So Philip has uh, dropped off, I think, and um, but I know he's thinking about what you said to him, absolutely. And I'm glad uh, he's... Well, that, that's all right. No, he's... Uh, look, he's thinking about what you said, and there's a lot of people, you know, who feel funny, and they're just getting to the point where they're, you know, where they're ready to talk about it. And then um, there are those who aren't, just simply aren't quite ready yet, but they will be. Yeah, he has. He has dropped. Okay. Um, so anyway, I think we had a good show tonight. I think we gave out a lot of information. And remember, the, okay, we talk about Child Abuse Awareness Month, Prevention Awareness Month in April. But it's 365 days a year. 365 days a year. Right now while we're speaking, they used to come up with um, stats, which I will not uh, talk about because I think they're off. I think they're way off. But there's so many children that are being abused. Right now where we're talking, and there are people who are down the street that know that this is happening, and they keep their mouths shut. Why? Why? Why do that? Now, I've seen cases where kids were not being sexually abused, but were being physically abused, you know, beaten up and all this other stuff. And CPS, I happen to like them better than the others, because they were good with me when I was a kid. Um, But anyway, they would go to the house, and if there wasn't blood flying or bruises that were visible, the children would actually stand up for the parents. And people would say, why is this? Why don't they? There's your chance to talk. There's your chance to say something. Children don't want to leave their parents many times, more often than not. More often than not. Because they know what they have. And the fear factor is very strong because if they're taken out of that situation, they don't know where they're going to. And children... You know, they always have that little spark of hope. You know, maybe mommy and daddy will stop all this fighting, and maybe they'll start loving me more and stop hitting me and all this other stuff. And so a lot of times kids will keep their mouths shut, plus the fact they're scared to death to open their mouth. I was scared to death. I saw a lot of violence in my lifetime. Guns everywhere, by the way. Guns everywhere. Because everybody who was born in New York, like me, they came over to New Jersey, and they became hunters. So they had rifles everywhere, <laughs> okay? And there's deer heads in all of their cabins, all right? They they had money, and they had cabins upstate New York. They would get it up there. Pinecliffe Lake area, Greenwood Lake. You've probably heard of Greenwood Lake. Um, you know, so they had cabins, and they'd go hunting. And uh, they'd have their deer heads all over the place. But when they fought, because all of them were alcoholics in that family, um, when they fought, they they didn't uh, they they never touched a gun, never. They would fist fight, 
And if you look back to the old movies, like in the 50s or something, whatever it was, I saw one not too long ago, um, that's how they used to fight. And they didn't put gloves on. They would fist fight. <laughs> it looked kind of silly, to be honest with you. But that's how they handled their anger. They would fist fight. And, and still it did damage. Oh, yes, it did. Okay? So, you know, the guns aren't always the weapon. It's the person behind the gun who pulls the trigger. We speak about mental illness on this show, too. And I used to work with it. And quite frankly, um, there's a lot to be said for that, okay? Now, we're living in a very volatile world. And we as a people, a lot of times, hey, look, I my lights were on all over the place last night. I don't know. I finally yelled out the front door. And, Lori, don't you laugh. But I finally yelled out the front door, hey, are you two-legged or four-legged? <laughs> because you never know anymore, okay? I've got security lights everywhere, and and I don't know what's out there. Was that a smart thing to do? No, <laughs> but I did it anyway. So, you know, with all of this stuff going on, the suicide rate, I hate to leave people with all these things, but it's the truth. The suicide rate, has skyrocketed. Um, kids as young as 12, although it's not common, but mostly 15 to 19, there's a big surge of, of uh, kids that are committing suicide. And then you go up to the 54-year-olds, and then 85, people who are 85 years old are committing suicide. I don't know why. Can't tell you. But I saw the stats the other day from hospitals, and um I was a little surprised that 85-year-olds are, are killing themselves. I don't know. So we live in a world where kids are dying from fentanyl all over the place, drug abuse, all that stuff. And um, so what we have to do is take very good care of ourselves, take very good care of our family, um, look out for your neighbors if you can. Not all neighbors are friendly. Um, three houses down from me across the street, they got a Molotov uh, cocktail in their garage, and it, it exploded. <laughs> uh, the car it, it was in flames. and um, My God. I mean, it was a bad drug deal. Someone was mad at someone. I don't know. And I'm in the country up on a hill. You see, it doesn't matter where you live anymore. That's my point. Across the street, um, this guy decided to go nuts in his girlfriend's apartment. It was a two-family house. She was at work. Totally, totally destroyed the whole place with a sledgehammer. Why? Cops came, and he actually lunged at one. He's in jail. Or he lunged at one. And um, I don't know if you heard him or not. Now, the night owl was sleeping through that one. I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> but I found out later. I had to ask people across the street what happened. All right? And so there's all kinds of violence everywhere. It's not just in the cities. It's in the countries. It's everywhere. There's an unrest in our country for good reason. And I think we better start praying, you know, and I believe in prayer. I think we better start praying for those who are, are in control because they, they're, they're like dimwits. I call them mental midgets. I get so mad at them, okay, because none of this makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. And the homeless population, which I do deal with from time to time. Um, I enjoy working with the homeless. 
And the reason being is because I left my home because of all the uh, stuff that was going on in there. And um, I know what the pavement feels like under my head. Let's put it that way. And if I had a little sweater on with me, I did have a sweater, I would put that as a pillow. Boy, that got dirty, didn't it? But I, I know what it feels like. And so with all of the problems in our families, with all the problems in our countries, there's a lot of depression out there. And that is why the suicide rate has skyrocketed. It's not a solution, all right, people out there. If you're depressed for two weeks, for two weeks, if you feel depressed and you feel listless, you feel like you can't do anything, you don't want to do anything, um, you lack interest in the things that you normally have interest in, for God's sake, go get help, okay? Because it's that depression that people are feeling that gets them finally to the point where they just say, you know what, I just don't give a damn anymore. And and they kill themselves. Now, that's all throughout um, early preteen and all the way up to 85. Still can't believe that one. So, you know, we're living in a time now. And with our children, um, more children are being pushed out on the street into prostitution. And that's starting at the age of 12. I hate using that word prostitution, but that's what it is. And... and um, you know, and then also too, I think I mentioned this once. I'm going to mention it again. Um, they use children for organ donors. Yes, they do. So that means they kill them, and then they they take their organs out. This is the type of world we're living in. Okay. And unfortunately, there are some hospitals that are shady. They don't care where the organs come from, and they're willing to get pay the money. And then, of course, you have the black market, which was around ever since the beginning of Lorraine. I heard it first when the Vietnam War was going on, the black market. And uh, so there's all kinds of ways. So you see, um, by the way, alcoholism has gone down with kids, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I should say drinking alcoholically, let's put it that way, has gone down because they're turning more to fentanyl and other such type of, of pills. What is fentanyl in today? And there are pharmaceuticals, which scares the hell out of me. And what I was feared was Xanax. They found some Xanax that was laced. Um, then uh, oxycodone. That's number two. That's pharmaceutical, all right? And then there's one over it. I don't remember what the third one was. But the point is, oh, Benzos, the benzodiazepines. So this is the type of world that we're living in. So this is what I'm saying. If you can find happiness, if you can find peace. Now, I used to have peace until I saw all my lights going on. I don't know where to go for peace anymore, okay? And, again, I don't know if it was from bears because we have bears around here. We have coyotes. And uh, we have a, a bobcat now, too. That's <laughs> terrible. So... I don't like any of those, okay? <laughs> I really don't. So um, I, now I make sure I take my garbage out before it's dark. Um, I make sure that I check the mail before it's dark because I don't want to be outside, all right? So that's how I feel about this place with the uh, the four-legged ones. And then, of course, we have to worry about the two-legged ones too. 
So this is what we have. This is our world. So if you can find peace somewhere, oh, my God, God bless you. My daughter, I told Bill earlier, and I told Lori, too. I wrote it down with her. Um, they're in Hawaii right now. They went on vacation. And um, I have never seen a better marriage in my life. I saw Bill earlier than my daughter and her husband. And don't think for one minute that my kids didn't see things. Because you see, we, the survivors, many times we pick bad partners. So our children, too, can see a lot of bad behavior. So for them both to turn out so well, as well as they have, I'm very, very blessed and very thankful. So I hope they're having a great time over there in Hawaii. So anyway, before the show ends, Bill, is there something you want to say? No, I was listening to all of it, actually. Um, I think you did a good job with the incest stuff, for sure. Mm. But I want well, to thank you for that... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's something that people, you know, shy away from still, even to this day. And, and, and I understandably so, but it's out there because I get the phone calls, all right? <laughs> so well, it's, it's out there. Topic. It's, hard to, it's hard to talk about because it's such an un- ugly topic. It's such an uncomfortable discussion when you get into this. And, and another thing is there are an awful lot of people who identify with incest in some form. They don't want to talk about it yet, like you said. And that's part of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to let people know that we understand how reluctant you may be to come forward with your stories, uh, you know, especially because it seems like keeping the secret, you know, um, you can pretend and you can make other people come to understand that nothing's ever happened to you and that you're all right now. Of course, nothing could be further than the truth, but... Um, we're patient, and we, we don't force people to tell their story in any particular way or any particular time. We simply invite them to listen to the stories on our talk show, and eventually we believe, like I said, Phil is an example of this. Philip, um, Philip is, has already told a couple of things about himself. He hasn't, like, booked a night to tell his story, but that will come. And we're oh, yeah. absolutely patient for it. So, anyway, yeah. thanks very much to you and Lori both for being there for yes. us. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, no, we had a good show. And, and hope, hopefully people will start looking at incest a little bit differently because, damn it, it was never, ever, ever, ever your fault, okay? And you should not feel shame. Put the shame where it belongs, not on yourself, but on the people who, you know, abused you. What do you have to say, Lori? I wish my sister would have gotten to that point before she got old. Uh, She went through it with my brother, who I didn't know was taking lessons from my father. And Mm -hmm. in our breaks, you know, she came back and she said to me, thank you for saving my life. And she said, who knows what else he would have done to me if not for you. And I stood guard, basically, once I found out. But the damage was done. And 
she didn't do well, and it's a shame. It's a really shame because she, underneath it all, she was a nice person, you know. But the damage took her over, and then the drugs, and she'll never be without the drugs. And I feel very bad for those people because there is help, there's hope. You know, so hopefully more people will listen in, you know, and start to the conversation about themselves. I'm so hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think when things start calming down, this is what I think, um, people will start concentrating more on child abuse. And um, because right now they're worried, Lori, about tomorrow. They're worried about next week. They don't know what the heck's going on, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and uh, or what's going to go on. And it, it keeps the, the country at a terrible feeling of unrest, you know. But the truth of the matter is child abuse has gone way up. And in the emergency rooms, which is the same as what I said about six months ago, um, most kids are coming in with the head trauma. So that means they're getting hit in the head, okay. And I used to get hit in the head. I know what that feels like, but you know it's it's head you know head injuries, but severe head injuries where they have to keep them. Now people out there, look, um, instead of taking it out on your children, go outside, take a walk. If you and your wife are fighting, instead of you know screaming and yelling at your kid, and I don't mean just the guys, and this can be the women too, both of you even, go take a walk, even in separate directions. Okay, <laughs> until you cool off, and when you come back in, you know, you know, be in in a better frame of mind. Don't hit your children. There's just too much of that going on. That's that's a, a it's right up there with sexual abuse as far as kids getting hit. In fact, it might even be more, and that's bad. So that that's what's going on, you know, and so with our children. Um, they're not being taught right in school. There's all different kinds of things going on. And uh, this isn't healthy for them. And, you know, when Bill and I, and you too, when we were growing up, the kids would play baseball. Remember those days, Bill? Huh? When you guys would play baseball? Yeah? Maybe you didn't play baseball. Yeah. (laughs) You were quiet too long. And, and um, well, you know, I mean, we did things differently. We, we were outside more. We we played sports. And for God's sake, I, I won awards in school for for sports. I was so into sports because it would make me feel better. Okay, this is before I started really drinking heavily and smoking. And, um, you know, so the point is kids, everything, everything is electronic. They sit on their cell phones and, and they do all kinds of weird-ass things, things that I don't even understand and other things that they have. And uh, they're not getting out. They're not getting fresh air. If there is fresh air, they're not getting out, you know, and doing the things like kids used to do. And that's a shame. It really is. So I want things to go back to the Leave it to Beaver days, Bill. Oh, Wally. (laughs) What did you say? Just come on, Wally. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wally, that's right, Wally. Well, you know what? I think I think that, um, you know, it was better times living back then. I'm sorry. 
And, and look, you you made a comment once that oh, you didn't have to be home until the streetlights went home or went on rather, you know, for dinner. Right. Well, things unless aren't like that mother, anymore. Unless my mother rang the school bell, she had a big bell. It was what what they used to use in schools. Right? But she had one that she'd go on the back porch and clack, clang, clack, clang, clack, clang, clack, clang, she'd ring it. And my sister and I had to yell from wherever we were, Tony! <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you see, that's, that's, that's better. I mean, those yeah. days, there was less stress. That's, that's what I'm trying to get, you know. And, and I think the home, like the mother, not that mothers shouldn't go out and work, don't get me wrong. But whether she did or she didn't, it wasn't a big thing, you know. If she stayed home and she was a homemaker, I'm just saying, she was in the house. And um, I just think things were, were better that way, you know, better in the, back in the day. I think the, the families were closer together. There was more religion well, in the family. Well, people are going to hate yeah. me for that one. But there was more religion yeah, in the okay. family, you know, things were better. But anyway, all right. Huh? In a sense, the churches and the neighborhoods were a kind of an extended family. You couldn't get away with anything no. as a kid, and it didn't matter who you belonged to. If any mom or dad saw you, you were in trouble. <laughs> That's true. That's true. By the time you got home, they knew about it because the phones were ringing. Right. Ding, 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 <laughs> down the block. That's right. I know. That's they knew, right. They knew what had happened, and they knew that... And the neighborhood That's knew right. they could trust themselves, you know, each other. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. But anyway, okay, look, we had a good show, and I believe the girl will be here um, who's supposed to be on tonight, Cheryl Gay Grace. I think she will be on next Friday as far as I know, okay? Otherwise, we'll have another topic night, and these are education nights, and they're good nights. And uh, you, everybody, have a good weekend, and uh, take care of yourselves. So good night, and God bless. God bless you, and thank you, Carol. You're welcome. Good night to all of you. Good night, night, Lori. Thank you. Thank you.